Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. back to another episode of chats in the blog cabin you know the show where i invite people into the blog cabin to virtually talk about life today we are chatting with marina and she's the author of a small group bible study called women in the bible and this episode will be part of our sunday inspirational post so i can't wait for you to hear about the woman in the bible and to learn more about marina who's also a phd i've got to give you kudos for that so welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself well, I'm from Canada originally, but I'm now living in South Florida and working at Palm Beach Atlantic. I have a husband and a little girl who just turned three. Oh, wow. You have your hands full with a three-year-old. How did you manage to go through the um, COVID and the pandemic with a three-year-old? Because I'm sure you kind of got housebound and house crazy. Yes. And I, my heart breaks and goes out to all the people who didn't really have many options. For me, I was really thankful that the parks were still open and we had lots of neighborhood kids that felt safe playing together. So my experience was much easier than others, although sometimes you feel like you're going to go crazy. Yep, that is so true. So let's talk a little bit about your testimony before we get into the book, because you have a testimony that I would love for you to share. Sure. About seven years ago, my husband and I were driving home on the major highway in our province of Ontario in Canada. And there was a small bend in the road and it was actually over a bridge. So the bridge went was one lane each oncoming uh, lane and this car just lost control. Something happened. We don't know. He passed away. But in a half second, he plowed into us, both of us going mm -hmm. at maybe 65, 70 miles an hour. Wow. And so how did you, how many months did it take you to overcome all the challenges? Because I'm sure there, you had a lot of challenges from the accident. We did. I had physical injuries. I had four lacerations to my bowels and that was life and death. I actually got to the trauma hospital and the surgeon who was on her day off was eating food in the cafeteria. Can you imagine on her day off? What a miracle and a blessing. So she comes up to take a look at me before the nurses do their tests. And she says, this woman does not have a chance. You need to put her in the emergency operating room right now. We need to cut her open. So she saved my life on the spot, but I also had a brain injury. And you and your listeners will know that overcoming a brain injury, trauma, severe PTSD, depression, anxiety, that really was years of overcoming. 
and still I have a tendency to get anxious about something that doesn't at all warrant it or to suddenly lose confidence entirely. So I'm still a work in progress. So how do you battle when, you, when you're stuck with anxiety and your self-confidence seems to take a plummet? Because I know I've been battling with that a lot recently. Yeah, there's so many comments I can make and I think I'm over the majority of it. I had a lot of help, a Christian psychologist, and she basically said for me that I needed to take meds or seriously go for a 30 minute walk every day because at a low level, it has a very similar effect. So just the basics of having someone to talk about it, eating really healthy, exercising every day, even though I very much didn't want to, helped me overcome some of the worst times and now, um, at least I've come so far to think about what's the lie in my head. So for example, I'll think I can't do it. I can't teach, I can't write a book, I can't promote the book. And then I just say that is a lie and I know that's not what God says about me because I already do teach and I already wrote a book. And all I need to do is keep going forward, step by step, day by day. And if I can say one more encouraging word, it's that there's a theme in the New Testament about how we get our strength. And it is a clear message that the weaker we are, actually that is our strength. When we are weak in our humanity, God is our strength. We rely on God entirely. And I think that's tied to the verse that God gives us more than we can ask or imagine. So I don't think we need to have any shame in being weak because God is made all the stronger. Well, I love that. And speaking of weak, there are some women in the study that were pretty weak that God called to do amazing things. So let's talk about why you decided to write this book, Women in the Bible. Sure, before my accident, I had been studying women in the Bible for years from a scholarly aspect. And then my brain injury happened and I didn't do anything for months. But when I came back to the Bible and read these stories, I had a wonderful experience of coming at it from a fresh perspective. And I thought, you know, these women have all kinds of issues and weaknesses just like me. And how incredible to relate to these women on a whole new level. So how did you go about deciding which woman that you wanted to profile in the study? Because there are tons of women in the Bible. Right. Well, I did a few very popular women like Esther for those who don't really have a lot of Bible background. Then I did some obscure women like the midwives. There's just a short picture, a short story about them. But those were really enriched women who have done many Bible stories because I don't think most of us are familiar with the stories of the midwives. Was there a particular characteristic that you were looking at each woman so they could kind of tie together? Or was there one that you were like, well, you know, I have to have her because she's my absolute favorite one and I'm going to add her in anyways. I would say Hannah was that for me. And I think it came about because I resonate with her story so much. She struggles to have a child. So did I. And you'll find this funny. When I did find out I was pregnant and it's a girl, my husband right away wanted the name Willow. But that left me to choose the middle name. But with my brain injury, I couldn't decide between Hannah and Grace, which means, oh, Hannah means Grace. And that's a very American name. I love the name Grace. So I called my poor daughter both names. So Hannah is, has a special place in my heart. Oh, that is just so sweet. I just love that. Was there a particular one that you really had to do a lot of research to find out? Because like you said, there are some obscure ones in the Bible that you didn't really there's not a lot about. 
Well, funny you should ask that because I think the story of Mary, we have the common Christmas perspective of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she is in the beginning of the gospel, but we don't have a long story about her. So when I finished my study, I thought, you know, I want to add more. So I looked beyond just her story at the beginning and up to the birth of Christ. And I noticed that Mary is present in the life of Jesus for his whole life. She's right there at his first miracle, all the way to his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And then we would say, okay, Mary's story is complete. Her mission has been accomplished. And yet we find her still Mm -hmm. having this call to bear Christ, even when he's gone in the upper room. And so she's part of establishing the early church. And what an incredible story of a lifelong calling. Yeah, that is so true. Now, with each one of the, the women that you chose, there had to be a characteristic that stood out for you for each one of the women's like particular Esther, like Esther saves all her people and she like waited on the Lord and she fasted. But there's, are there any other ones that really stand out to you that their characteristic was like, they have to be in the Bible. Um, I mean, again, in the study, not Bible. <laughs> again, the midwives, right? Uh, the midwives, they're just an uncommon story, but I felt that their story needed to be told because they are an amazing example of courage and what a timely message for what we've all gone through in the last year and a half. That is so true. Now, how did you write this particular um, Bible study? during COVID or did you wanted to kind of get it to where people could get more into the word during COVID? Yes. You know, for me, COVID had some positive outcomes and one was way less to do. So my time really opened up in the summer before then I caught up on all the little things we put off. And then come August, I thought, well, what can I do? Let me lead a small group at my church. And that was the basis of it. I would put my notes together and it grew in popularity. And other small groups leaders were asking me where my curriculum was from. And finally, I said, well, let me put this together for other leaders who also want to go through women of the Bible. So COVID is part of my story in that it created a time for me to do it. And also it really emphasized to me the need for women to have encouragement and to find hope. Well, I will say I went through the Bible and it, I mean, went through your study and keep saying the Bible went through the study. And I really love the fact that number one, you put the Bible verses that you would be like the story in with your study so that you don't necessarily like if you're on the go somewhere, you can just grab your book and go and take it with you. And you're still in the word and you're still answering the questions, but it's not like you needed to bring your heavy Bible with you or go on your Bible app. I love that. Was there yeah. a reason behind that? All of what you're saying. So I teach at university and I find we actually can waste a lot of time flipping around. People go to the table of contents, find you know page 1,356 and take two minutes to find it. So I thought that's not the best dynamic for a small group. And there's also the ability to write in the book and not everybody wants to highlight and write in their Bible. So in the book, as you have, you can put whatever notes you want or comments from others in the small group. Those were the biggest motivations for me. Yeah, because I mean, and plus it's a really short one too as well, because I found as I was going through, because I actually went through and did all the women that I wanted to learn more about these women. So I would take like, I would do one, it was supposed to be weekly, but I wanted to make sure I got it done before we had our, our chat. I would do like one 
and read part, read, just read the Bible verse. Then I would go the next day I would just answer all the questions and look at all the questions. And then I would, the third day I would kind of do an outside source to see if I could learn a little bit more about that woman. Do you suggest people doing that? Well, I do. You know, it's easy to feel intimidated as a small group leader, but I think the questions lead to so much conversation and even your experience, just reading it yourself. There's so much to think about that I myself definitely would recommend doing each chapter in two sessions so that you can digest all the information, the study and think about it, and then later reflect on how it applies to today and our own lives and stories. So let's talk about some of the ways that apply like for instance Sarah and Hagar how does that apply to today well if you know something of Hagar you'll know that she is in the most desperate situation in this story and we're so familiar with Abraham and Sarah that I think sometimes we can forget to read the story from the perspective of Hagar and here she is pregnant on the run and in the wilderness and what could be worse she can't move fast and yet she's in a place with little provision surrounded by wild animals and caravans so in this literal situation of life and death that's exactly where god meets her and i think it's an easy relation today because so many of us have felt that just overwhelmed at some point in the last year and a half thinking how can i look after my family meet their needs some of us are teaching school we never signed up for that and just to know that when we are in the lowest situation most desperate we can have an encounter like hagar and how does her encounter with God stand out? Well, she gives a name to God and she's the only character in the Old Testament to give God a name. And I think that speaks wonders of the special moment where she encounters God in her desperation. I love that. We're gonna take a brief commercial and come back and chat more about some of the other women that you highlighted. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Hi, my name is Joanna, and I would like to share with you a little bit about Shores of Grace, Shores Philly. It's a ministry located in Philadelphia. The portion of Shores that I volunteer for goes into Kensington, an area greatly impacted by homelessness and addiction. And we go and we take love, food, clothing, snacks, conversation. Um, we believe that it is a way that we can meet people right where they are and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, we have seen lives changed in big ways and in small ways. And we have built wonderful relationships with the people in the community. Uh, we have big plans, more we'd like to do. Um, and we would appreciate any support either through prayer or through donation. If you would like to donate, you can go to shoresofgrace.com and in the menu, click on donate. We just ask that you put Philly in your donation comments. Thank you. And we are back chatting with Marina Hoffman about Women in the Bible, a small group Bible study. Now, honestly, I just don't understand. Some of the names of the women in the Bible really got me too. Like with Hannah, I never knew, like you were talking about earlier, I meaning Grace. And I never knew that that's exactly what the name was. I have a daughter, her name is Grace or Graciela. So I so understand with you. But there are some like Tamar. Why did you include her? 
Well, in part, her story is not known. There's, I've never heard a sermon on Tamar, and I don't think any of us has, because how do you take a woman who poses as a prostitute so that she can impregnate her father-in-law to make things right from her husband that died and his brother, who it might sound harsh, but we can say in, in a form of raped her, certainly took advantage of her. What on earth do we do? Because we're not gonna tell our girls in Sunday school to emulate that behavior. So that's a tough one. I thought, why not take on some of these tough stories? So let's talk about that tough story because that's someone that society would have just thrown away. And I've noticed that in the Bible, especially God uses the most unlikely people to do his work. So was that one of the things that you definitely wanted to highlight when you used Tamar? I did. And I think that maybe especially as women, we can condemn ourselves and focus on our weakness and all the things we can't get done in the day. But that is not at all the perspective of scripture. God, God, God builds up this woman by giving her not just one child, but two. So her plan is successful and blessed by God. And the one who we would think would judge her, her father-in-law, says the most powerful statement that she is more righteous than him. And why is that? Because he took advantage of her and wanted her to just leave the family and not impact any more of his sons. But no matter how she acted, ultimately she brought about justice for herself. And the most incredible aspect of the story is not only does she bring justice for herself, but she bring justice for him. Because without Tamar's action, he also would not have a lineage. So how incredible that this non-Israelite woman establishes a tribe of Israel for Judah. Which brings down, if you go down through the lineage, it's in the lineage of Jesus. So that's kind of amazing that uh, someone that's unlikely like that is able to be used to establish such a great lineage. Exactly. And we're not supposed to forget that because Matthew tells us, right, as you're referring to, Matthew tells us. So right there in the New Testament is a reminder of these women who paved the way for the coming of Christ. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Now, we already hit about the midwife and we hit about Sarah and Hagar. But what about, I always say her name wrong, Rahab? Rahab, sure. You know, here's another unlikely character. And again, she's not from Israel and she does not just pose as a prostitute, but that is her profession. And so she encounters these two men who come to her home and they turn out to be spies from Israel. So this story is a story of big trouble and these spies aren't very subtle. Everyone seems to know they're there. And yet one way or another, Rahab saves their life and they go back with the report of God's victory and who God is from Rahab. Again, completely unexpected. And then you, we already mentioned Hannah, but the, I think the most famous one is Naomi and Ruth. I think that's the, like the most famous because she, Ruth could have easily have left her mother-in-law and gone back and not even lived but she said no, that devotion of mother and child, I guess, even though it's not really her child. Um, so let's talk about them. Yeah, and I think so many studies talk about Ruth, but even what you're saying, Ruth's dedication to her mother-in-law after her husband dies, what does that say about Ruth? And what does that say about Naomi? And I think as women, as we mature, 
what kind of impact are we leaving others? And would the people who follow us be as committed and loyal as Ruth? So I think it speaks volume about the kind of person and loving person that Naomi is. And then you, we already talked about Esther. We talked about Hannah. We talked about Mary. But why did you not include some of the other ones? Like, for instance, Bathsheba. Why didn't you include her? Because she's pretty famous as well. Well, if I can say, if God blesses me with an opportunity for a second book, she is at the top of my list. I chose eight stories because my church, Christ Fellowship, we do our small group studies in eight weeks. And a bunch of churches do. But as we talked about earlier, it could be in 16. That's the simple reason I went with eight. Uh, so mm -hmm. do you have in the works maybe an idea for, like you just said, Bathsheba doing another book? Yeah, I would love to talk about Bathsheba. I would love to talk about some of the widows in the Old Testament that aren't named, but again, have a profound impact. Some of the New Testament women, there's so many and giving them a voice has been a wonderful experience for me and to give hope to women today through their stories. So what can women today learn from these stories that you put out there? Well, I think one of the most important messages is to put our confidence in God, because whether these women were so talented like Esther and did something incredible much in their own strength, we also have women that had to rely on God incredibly. So no matter where we fit in that spectrum, how we feel about ourselves, we can be encouraged that God takes us exactly where we are, uses the skills and resources he's given us, and does something incredible. And you know, it's not always something that has a great title, even though our culture often admires that and exalts that. When we talked about the midwives, they just did their job. And it was incredible what they accomplished in saving babies, but really all they did is continue to be faithful in their job in bringing about life and God did the rest. You know, it's funny, just a few minutes ago, you talked about the all the widows in the Old Testament. And actually, it was I'm doing the Bible app through uh, the Bible recap through the year where they're doing it chronologically. And today was about the widow that Elijah met, that he brought her son back to life because she didn't have any food and stuff like that. And I thought that that would be such a great story to know her backstory, to see if you could find a little bit more about that. So what? how did you go about doing your research for all these characters in the Bible. All these stories I had published on before from an academic sense in scholarly journals. So I had a lot to pull from. And uh, my biggest task was to make sure they related to people today, which is beyond what scholarship usually invites us to do. So that was a really fun part to me. And we did lots of run throughs with my church. And a lot of times women said things that I then brought to the study as well. I love that. Now, what did you have a hard time picking these women? Uh, no, I thought I can stress out about this, but I can just pick a sample of women from different sections in the Bible and connect them all. So I didn't give it a lot of thought because I knew there are so many good ones. And I'll just save another aid for another book if God opens that door. And I love how the fact that it came out from you teaching these actual classes in your um in your church. Um, I interviewed a lady a couple weeks back and she's a minister now. And she actually said that her calling happened because she was, she's, 
her backstory, she's from Jamaica. So people used to ask her about the way she talked and get her to talk to say something because they loved her voice. So that kind of made her silence her voice. And as they were doing a Bible study and her Bible study teacher was leaving and she said, you're going to take over the Bible study. And she's like, no, I'm not. How could you choose me? I don't even talk in the study. She says, because you choose not to talk. It's not that you can't talk. So I love the fact that God used something that you were already doing and made it into something that now will affect not only the people in your church, but also women and men alike. If men want to pick up this Bible, pick up this study and do this study, that will affect them and make changes and trickle down to other people as well. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful story you share. And it's so like God, right? He just takes right where we are and opens a door. And then the onus is on us. Are we going to walk forward and trust God in faith? Or do we keep running away because we think we're not able? But again, how beautiful when we acknowledge we can't do it on our own. And that woman who spoke, just a beautiful thought that her voice was encouraged by God and to know that God is speaking through her voice. It's beautiful. And as you say, also men have really loved this study, which surprised me. I didn't expect that, mm -hmm. but they want to encourage women in their life, especially daughters to have a voice and that we have role models that God has given us in scripture to follow. Now, was there ever a point in time when you're writing this, um, because like you said earlier on that you already did the study in with your um, church family. But was there ever a time when you were writing that you were like, I just can't do this, God. You just, you have to help me. I, yes. I'm just overwhelmed. Yes, every single day and many times. And I still feel it even though it's done. It's totally ridiculous. It's silly. And I thank God that I have the knowledge to know it's silly. But every single time. I will say I did not write this book because I thought that I could or because I, would thought, I thought I was so able. I really felt that God called me and my mentor pushed me hard. And so I said, I'm going to do it every single day. I'm going to get back and write it, not because I can, but because God will work through me. And yes, I felt that all the time. I think, unfortunately, a bit because I have the trauma still with me. Mm -hmm. um, but I resonate with other women. We all face you know, the challenges of being confident in ourselves. And that's why I keep saying it. I just keep giving it back to God every single day, many times, whether in scholarship, in writing, in a media interview, or just being a mom and feeling utterly helpless when my daughter is demanding her own way. Again, um, sometimes we just bring it to the Lord in prayer, the both of us, my little three-year-old and I, we say, well, let's ask the Lord, help us. <laughs> I love that. Now, when you went to go get the book published, was there any resistance for getting it published? Because it's so different than any normal Bible study because you already include the words as well as, you know, the questions. And then you do have a little bit of answers, but you don't get to the answers until you go through the questions. Yeah, I went to about four leaders in Canada that lead two, three hundred women in small group Bible studies as their job. And they gave me great feedback, very positive. And, and one said I needed to make a video series. So I did do that as well. It's free on my website. But I took that four, those four feedbacks I got to my publisher and Castle Key Books took it right away. It was a blessing. Wow, because you don't hear a lot of times that a lot of publishers will take something right away. It so. is true. It's a very hard industry. I also work as an editor, so it's really hard. But for those who have a story, don't give up. And also, here's a little tip. Keep 
building a list of people who support you and that makes a strong case. So keep sending it out, keep getting feedback, keep tweaking it and then just be bold and keep asking. And pray over it as well. Yep, keep going in God and ask the Lord to open a door at the right time. And sometimes timing is also key. So if, say for instance, someone wanted to do this small group study, how would you structure it? Well, I made it really easy. I would say they shouldn't feel intimidated at all. When it's time to start the small group, just hit play and start my video on their TV. Uh, it's fun. They can just shoot it up with Apple TV, whatever they have. And my videos are really personal, not academic. I just talk to them just like I'm talking to you now, sharing how I connect with their stories and their challenges. Each video is about six, seven minutes, and then they can open their chapter. There's an icebreaker question they can go around just get everyone talking. Someone can read the background and then go through the questions, question by question, just um, I would say letting the Holy Spirit move, which means letting there be a moment of silence if people are thinking and don't feel that you have to control it. The Lord is there helping you. And women love to talk. That's the bonus, right? Once you get them going, uh, community and a desire to share takes over. That is so true. Now, when you were doing these Bible studies, did you pray right before you did it or right after you did it to kind of like let God re help you reveal or help the women reveal what he wants you to hear yeah we did i kept it short at the beginning because i you know kept everything a bit light with an icebreaker question but at the end we read the prayer that's in the book so again if leaders feel intimidated by praying there's a prayer they can read out slowly right at the end but one thing that's so easy in terms of praying as a group is to say does anyone have something they want us to pray for a need it could be spoken or just general or something to thank god for and again, if leaders are intimidated to pray, that's fine. When everyone has had a turn to share, you can say, well, who would like to pray for this person? And I think you'll see leaders emerge within the group that would like to pray. Now, I told you this was going to be part of the Sunday inspirational message. So would you care to do a short prayer? Of course, I would love to. Lord, we thank you so much for every listener today and that your hand is on their life, that you have already blessed them and called them and they have overcome so many challenges in the last year and a half. So Lord, I pray that they will find encouragement in you and day by day cast their cares upon you and find confidence in who you say they are, which is loved and forgiven and so important. May we all find our identity from you, Lord, not from all the voices around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, you mentioned that you were a scholar and that you have a PhD. Can I ask your background and your PhDs? Yeah, I went, I went to the University of Toronto. So my PhD is in theology from the University of Toronto, and I did a little bit of work afterwards as well. So did you have a dissertation for your PhD? I did. I did it on dream type scenes, which included a number of stories. And my master's thesis was on Tamar. Oh, that's why she was included yeah. in the book. <laughs> yeah, I love her story. There's so much there that a quick read through can miss. I loved studying her. Now, she also can be confused if you because there's another Tamar in the Bible that's pretty kind of prominent, too, as well. Yeah, and their stories have a lot of connections. And sometimes when I say, you know, the level of which I think our Tamar in Genesis is 
misused, people can say, oh, that's overstepping it. I don't think so, because when we see the stories together, I think the author is encouraging us to see her as taken advantage of as the second Tamar and really mistreated unfairly. Mm -hmm. So what is up next for you? Well, I just keep promoting this book and getting lots of feedback. I'm actually working on a Spanish version. It's being translated, and then we'll do the videos in Spanish. And from there, if if God makes a way, I would love to do a second book. And I have a general dream in my heart for many years to impact teenagers. As we talked about the beginning of the show, how do we take the story of Tamar, who poses as a prostitute to encourage and inspire our young women. It would be a tough call to relate the women of the Bible to youth, but if God makes a way, I'll walk through that door. Now, since you became a mom to a little girl, how much more has these stories impacted you? So much. You know, I, I, sure, I turn on little shows for her on the Bible and we buy, I buy every single kid's Bible book I can find. And it's a bit disheartening because so many of the stories almost all will be of males. And I think the women have so much to offer. It's hard. It's hard to make it relate to young children, but the girls need to know that they had a role in history and God's plan as much as the male characters. So again, who knows what the future holds, but I would love to help package these stories into the world of toddlers as well. And you're kind of already doing that a little bit with your daughter. Now, how would you say approaching women that have young girls, as you saw in my opening, I have three girls, three, they're, but they're older now, they're 19 through 26. But how would you, as a mom, like how are you approaching the toddler age and showing them that there are great women role models in the Bible? Well, I make sure they know the names of the women. And I call, I tell my daughter all the time that she's called by God, just like Mary, that God has a plan for her, just like Esther. And even though Esther became a queen and we think of her as a queen, she started off as a young girl taken from her home. Her parents died. So she was greatly disadvantaged, but she overcame every challenge and God raised her up to do something incredible. And that's what God will do for my daughter as well. Well, I just love that. So can, where can people find you? They can look me up on my website, which is womeninthebible.info. And my book's available everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. Women in the Bible, small group Bible study by Marina Hoffman. And don't forget the videos. If you just want to see something, uh, the video series is free. And where can they find the videos? It's on my website as well, womeninthebible.info. Well, Marina, I want to thank you so much for, first of all, for writing this book, because I learned a little bit more as I was going through. I added this to my extra devotional during the day. I was like, oh, I can't wait to open it up and read and find out more. And it's at me looking into more women in the Bible as well as I'm going through. You know, I told you earlier, I'm doing the Bible recap, which is the Bible through the year. Every time they mention a woman's name now, I'm jotting it down to see if I can find information about it. So I want to thank you so much for writing this book and for the format that you put it in because it's so easy and it's not like you have to carry a big binder and then your Bible and then a concordance and then, you know, commentary and things like that. You kind of just condensed it all into one, which makes it a lot easier for people. Well, thank you. And your little testimony is exactly my heart's desire. So you've encouraged me greatly. Thank you. Well, guys, I will drop the links in the show notes where you can find all her work and where you can find her and 
Thank you again, Marina, for coming on. And as always, be blessed and remember, keep chatting. Thank you. God bless. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode.